the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Tuesday, the 12th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Well, the President of the United States, back in the 1980s that you just heard from, the great communicator, Mr. Reagan, said, we will never surrender for it, but did, and this is the question, did Republicans in the House yesterday, did they surrender on the border wall? 55 miles? Is that, did I hear that right? 55 miles for one point, what was it, two, 1.27 billion dollars? And in exchange, they get to increase the number of illegal immigrants that are caught and released into the United States without being detained. Did I get all of that right? Washington, Sean Lanchel, Fox News. I want to hear you in full, sir, not the end of what you had to say. Fox News has learned the $1.3 billion can be used only for new wall construction that will cover approximately 55 miles of border territory in the Rio Grande Valley. But the president's been asking for nearly $6 billion for the wall. Full details of the deal are expected to be released Wednesday. We have a lot of those already, including, as I said, a 17% reduction in number of beds that are going to be available to hold illegal immigrants who are crossing the border or who are requesting asylum. Um... Uh, while they await their uh, their hearings, seventeen uh, percent fewer beds means thousands and thousands and thousands more people are going to be caught and then forced to be released into the population. Which, of course, we know that ninety plus percent of them never come back for their hearings. Joining us now to discuss this and more, Congressman Jim Jordan on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Congressman. Good to talk to you this morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. Good to be with you. All right, this is um, this is a bad deal from what I from where I sit. Now I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be patient here, and I'm going to hope that there is a long game here that uh, belies what we learn in the short run. In the short run, we hear only one point two seven or one point three billion dollars, only fifty five miles. The Democrats get to dictate yep. what it's made out of, whether it's new fencing or whether it's old fencing that's being retrofitted, et cetera, et cetera, and they get. Uh, they get an increase in the number of, uh, of uh, illegal aliens or asylum seekers who come here and want to be released into the population. Congressman, what happened? Yeah, no, I, I, I think you've, you've stated it accurately. Uh, look, last night while the president was, was giving a great speech in El Paso, it looks like there was a handful of people in Congress putting together a bad deal. Now, we haven't seen all the details, but it sure looks like it's not the right thing. It sure looks like it's not what we told the American people we were going to do. And it sure looks like... Uh, not what the president has said we need to have, which is the $5.7 billion, what we actually need a border security wall. And this idea, I mean, this came out of nowhere in the last few days, the idea that you're going to reduce the number of detention slots, detention beds, and not hold, not hold violent criminals. And actually, that makes no sense, but that seems to be where the Democrats want to go. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the details, but I, all the appearances are this is not a good deal. I'm going to look, uh, try to look for a, a positive side of all of this and be optimistic. Tell me what you think. Uh, the president gets them to agree to just, well, not the president, but the negotiators uh, in this uh, little conference, get the uh, Democrats to agree to build 55 new miles. 
the president signs it. The, now the, they have taken the walls are immoral off the table. And now that morality is no longer something that Nancy Pelosi and her flock can, can cling to, uh, if we've already agreed to build 55 miles, look where the new crossings are coming now over here. How can we not add money to put the same thing we put up there, which is moral, uh, up in these new areas? Can the president use this as just a literal building yeah. block? Yeah, he could. Um, I also think that the president, as you know, can use certain, uh, under the 284, 274 section of the law now, he can take money that's there at DHS and there's about $500 million and use to begin to, to, to do more uh, uh, barrier on the border. But And I also think he should look at the emergency declaration. I think that is warranted. We're on our fifth caravan. We've seen the drug problem. That the, he spoke about this last night, the drug problem, the human trafficking problem. So I think I think ultimately he's going to have to go with the um, emergency declaration and say, we need a border security wall. So I think all that's still in play. And if this is a stepping stone, maybe. But on the merits of the deal itself, based on what we've heard, I think it looks like a bad deal. Um, so we'll see as we learn more today about uh, about what's actually in the agreement. I want to post something to you, Congressman Jordan, that I got from a friend, a conservative friend um, uh, out in Medina County who said, why don't we look at this? In fact, uh, this was on Sean Hannity. It's kind of where he got the idea. But, but, but somebody suggested that maybe instead of the president declaring a national emergency, because that would immediately be challenged uh, by a Democrat in the court of their choice, a Democrat AG or somebody in a court of their choice, why not let the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, call for a state of emergency at the Texas-Mexico border? It's 1,250 miles long allowing the president to then provide federal funding to build the wall along that border as requested by the governor for the state of emergency he is declaring. Because then, according to at least what, I, what I've read, and maybe you know better than I do about this, if somebody were to challenge it, it would have to be challenged in Texas, in the Fifth Circuit Court of yeah. Appeals instead of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals or judge Third shopping in Hawaii, that sort of thing. Is any, any anything to that? Yeah, there may there may be. I, I do think it would be advantageous for uh, the country if, in fact, the challenge takes place in the Fifth Circuit versus the Ninth, and if that's the route to do it. I haven't I haven't studied that. I don't know, but if that's if that's the best route to do it, then that may be something we want to pursue. The bottom line is, as you know, and and your listeners know, and I think the vast majority of the country knows, um, we need a border security wall. Uh, we need we need it to address the problem, and frankly, we also need to reform our asylum laws if we're ever going to address this caravan phenomena that we have watched unfold now for several months on our southern border. So that's what needs to happen, and if that can get us in the Fifth Circuit, which is obviously a more advantageous court for what needs to take place, then maybe that's something we should look at. Congressman Jim Jordan joining us this morning on AM 1420, the answer to start our show. It's a little unusual. It's good to have you. Let me pivot over to the Green New Deal that has been all the talk since the Democrats lifted the lid or pulled back the curtain on that last week. Congressman, I don't know how many times you get back and forth from D.C. to your district, but are you ready or to your district in Ohio? But are you ready to go by high-speed rail? Do you have any idea when they're going to start building those tracks? Oh, this is, this was just the, the, one of the goofiest things I've ever seen. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget that it was just 10 years ago that the Obama administration uh, rolled out their green uh, gr- uh, energy department uh, loan guarantee program. Um, and they, this is where they, if you remember, Solyndra, Beacon Tower, Abound Solar, 20-some companies with a credit rating of double B minus got all kinds of your tax dollars, and almost every single one of them went bankrupt, and Solyndra being the most famous. So... This looks a lot like that, and we've already been down that road and saw what a terrible failure it was. Now we're going to try it again? So this makes no sense. 
Exactly. What, what really struck me, Congressman, is that the president just got done highlighting on Tuesday night, uh, one week ago at the State of the Union address, the fact that we are now a net exporter of energy and we are the world's largest yep. producer of both oil and national, uh, natural gas. For goodness sakes, you know, we are just thriving in the energy sector, uh, you know, at home and, and by way of what we are able to ship around the world. And just two days after the president announces that, they're calling for an end to all fossil fuels, all fossil fuel, no, fuel right. production use. We're going to dismantle every internal combustion engine in America. We are going to take down every building in America and rebuild it as a as a renewable energy uh, uh, provided building. I mean, I, it is amazing to me they want to slam the brakes on the, the the best you know industry that we have going right now, which is our energy industry. No, it just underscoring how ridiculous this whole proposal is. Um, underscoring, I think, a bigger issue with the left too. Remember, the left doesn't believe like you and I do, and your listeners do. That the, the, the left doesn't believe America is the greatest nation ever. The left just believes America is just one of the hundred ninety some countries in this in this world, just one of those nations. That we understand. And the president, I think, so well last week in his State of the Union, captured this idea that America is the greatest nation ever. There is this exceptionalism associated with our country, with the guests he brought in, the stories he told about what happened in their lives. With the, with the 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 individual who survived the concentration camp and rescued by American soul, I mean, all that they don't believe that, and that's why they roll out these kind of crazy things that go at the heart of what uh, uh, such a strong part of our economy. They just don't believe that fundamental truth that we've always associated with this country. They just think we're just one some other nation in this world. That is not the case. And the president, I think, proved, and the American people get it as evidenced by the seventy some percent who thought his speech was right on target last week. Yeah, it was, and, and and especially because what it was in large part was a tribute to capitalism. All he did yeah. was take some of the 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 you know the reins off of of the, of the economy and and off businesses, deregulating businesses and allowing these companies to to expand and thrive and and grow and 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 that's exactly what capitalism is all about. And he focused like a laser on that with all of his economic numbers that he pointed out. And then of course uh, the flip side that the Democrats want to yeah. abandon all of that and embrace socialism. This is this is the fundamental fight, I guess, of our time. You know, this is this is capitalism versus socialism. This is liberty versus tyranny. This is uh, you know, embracing of um, uh, you know the energy sector of our country, which is doing so well, versus literally imprisoning Americans. You know, I heard one conservative pundit call compare this to the internment of of all Americans, which is essentially what they would have to do. Is the Democrats' plan here anything less? Is it hyperbole to suggest that they are moving toward totalitarianism? Well, I mean, look. What I do know is, I thought this plan was crazy. There, there's even some line in there uh, in their in the in the materials they handed out about people who are unable or unwilling to work. Unwilling yes. to work. Well, I mean, what is that all about? I mean, so the, the, I just think it's goofy. Makes no sense, and I think American people see through it. And Amer- the American people saw what the president talked about in his State of the Union address a week ago. I mean, so think about one of the lines that just stuck out to me, Bob, and maybe we talked about this last week, but when the president of the United States, the commander-in-chief, talked about the sanctity of human life, when have you ever seen that happen? And it's particularly in the State of the Union address. I thought it was such a powerful moment, as were so many others in that speech. And then a few days later to have him roll up, the left roll up this Green New Deal. It just what a contrast. 
And I think uh, I think the American people see right through it all. Well, the reason the reason I I'm I'm you know I hope they see right through it, Congressman. But the reason I feel like we have to continue to take it seriously, however, is it isn't just the freshman twenty nine year old bartender who uh, somehow got eleven percent of the population, or excuse me, of the uh, voters to turn out and get her sent to Congress. It's not just her. She says there are some seventy co sponsors of this. It's only a resolution. It's not a bill yet. Um, yeah. And and all of the major Democrat uh, candidates, the ones who have declared for the presidency, have all signed on and said, yes, this is the way to go. So this is becoming mainstream, not just far-left extremists, the new freshman uh, Democrats who think they're going to change the world. This is well, this is mainstream Democrat policy now. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's certainly mainstream positions with a segment of the Democrat Party. They all think they got to run to the left to secure the nomination. Um that's in my mind. That's fine if they're going to go out there and campaign on this 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 kind of crazy document and the positions that are outlined in it. I think that just helps it <clears throat> helps make the case much stronger for the president. I think the president's going to win regardless of who his opponent is uh, on the Democrat side. But I think this only helps uh, helps that case. Congressman, you don't live in or represent the people of Virginia, but I have to ask your views on what is happening over there again because it speaks to the character and I think of the fabric of the country and also maybe to hypocrisy versus consistency. The way the Democrats have attacked Republicans on matters of race using their identity politics and so on and so forth to see not only the governor embroiled in this blackface slash Klan controversy, but also the attorney general admitting that he has done something similar. And then, of course, we all know what's going on with the lieutenant governor and Me Too issues with two different women making what appear to be credible complaints. I will not judge those, though, because I'm not a Democrat. That's what they did with Kavanaugh. Uh, but uh, your thoughts on what is going on there and what that says, again, about one of the two major parties in this country? Well, obviously, I mean, obviously the behavior is wrong, uh, dead wrong, and um, the, uh, but, but it's up to the, the legislature in Virginia right now that they gotta, they, they'll have to decide. And, and frankly, the, 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 the people in Virginia will have to make a decision. Uh, I think maybe what's even more telling is how long it took the Democrats in Congress to, um, to condemn, uh, the remarks and get, get, uh, the freshman member who said all the anti-Semitic things, uh, from the, 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 the new freshman member from Minnesota who yeah, said all the anti-Semitic uh, things this week. And yeah, I mean, it took, I don't know how many days before the Speaker of the House would say, you know, condemn what she what she said and this is this this is really uh, terrible language to be to be using as well so uh, i think we got to condemn all that but what happens to these individuals is up to the folks of virginia yeah clearly and and, and of course uh, the you know the democrats all over the map uh, who are who are making these obscene statements and these anti-semitic statements and so on and so forth are going to have to answer to their voters eventually in their states congressman jordan i know you've got a busy morning but i really appreciate you coming in early sir thank you, you so much for your time and we'll catch you to mers All right, it's 928 as we continue on the Bob France Authority on this Tuesday morning. Thanks again to our friend Congressman Jim Jordan for laying out uh, his thoughts on this. This is this is the deal that lawmakers announced last night. And I don't know about you, but I, <laughs> I'm still I'm, I'm looking for the good. And I'm hoping for, like I said before, to the congressman, the long game here, that the president, if he signs this, has a bigger, deeper plan in mind. But the deal is expected to be giving the president only $1.3 billion for the border wall. And it is not a wall. It's a certain kind of fencing that the Democrats can dictate the type, the construction, the uh, materials, etc. 
and it includes no increase in detention space to control increasing increasing illegal immigration at the border. In fact, just the opposite, there's a decrease in detention space. The announcement was the tentative deal uh, on a border wall to avoid the government shutdown on Friday. About $1.3 billion in border wall funding, a fraction of the $5.7 billion that the president had requested. The funding is also set, is set to provide about 55 miles of our 2,000-mile border, 55 miles of the new border wall along roughly 2,000 mile, the 2,000-mile-long mile long southern border, excuse me, much like the 2018 omnibus spending, which prevented Trump from building a border wall out of new materials, this deal is set to tack on stipulations as to what the barrier can be made from and where it can be placed. Additionally, the deal keeps detention space for federal immigration officials to detain illegal aliens and border crossers at the same levels that have been funded over the last two years. The deal includes about 40,200 beds for immigration detention facilities, about 11,500 fewer than the president had requested. So... What do we get for this deal? They get fewer beds, which means more people being released into the United States, and we get 55 miles of their determined style of border wall. If that's deal-making, um, we got to send new deal-makers onto that committee. We, we just, we, this can't be. The Democrats completely outmaneuvered the Republicans in this negotiation to stop a shutdown unless there's a long game that I'm not aware of. And hopefully when the president speaks on this, if he signs this, we'll know what that is sooner rather than later. But this, to me, is an absolute loss. Take the L and go home, Republicans, in this negotiation. We'll talk more about it coming up with Peter Kirsten now at 1005. We're going to talk more directly with Dr. Everett Piper, who will join us next after the news on AM 1420. The now, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan, who joined us uh, in the first hour, reacting to the New Deal, not the Green New Deal, the New Deal, the new negotiated deal, the new garbage deal, if I may, uh, that was uh, announced yesterday. Last night, a tentative agreement reached between uh, Republicans in the conference and Democrats in the conference trying to find some sort of medium ground to avoid a shutdown this Friday. To say this is a win for the Democrats would be an understatement as far as I'm concerned. The plan calls for nearly $1.4 billion in border fencing in the Rio Grande area of Texas, far less than the $5.7 billion in more than 200 miles President Trump wants. Democratic Representative Nita Lowy among lawmakers announcing the agreement in principle last night. Some people may think it's a great deal. Some people may have done it differently, but we did it together, and I think it's really a good product. The plan reduces the number of ICE detention beds by about 17%. House Freedom Caucus Chairman Mark Meadows tweeted the agreement is not a serious attempt to secure the border. That is an understatement. It is not a serious attempt because the Democrats don't want to secure the border. And the Republicans got played. The only thing I can hope for is a long-game strategy that we have not yet been informed of. Joining us now to discuss that and more, including his wonderful op-ed that I read uh, in the Washington Times over the weekend, Dr. Everett Piper, back on AM 1420. The answer, Dr. Piper, is, of course, the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University and the author of a very important book called Not a Daycare. Dr. Piper, good to have you back, sir. How are you? Always a pleasure to be on your show, Bob. Thanks. 
Before we get into your uh, op-ed in the Times about the uh, changing face of the Democrat Party, who they are, what they stand for, and what they champion, which was brilliant, um, let's talk about what happened last night. Um, again, we've you know the details are, are a little sketchy, except for the fact that. Uh, only 1.3 billion instead of 5.7 billion for a border wall. The wall can't be what the president wants it to be. It has to be what and where the Democrats say that it can be. All kinds of stipulations put on it. Only 55 miles of our 2000 border would be covered by it. And in exchange, or additionally, rather, um, the Democrats also get a re- uh, significant reduction in the number of beds, 17% reduction in the number of beds to detain illegal aliens who are awaiting, uh, their hearings. Uh, they now, those over the, over and above that amount, of course, will be released into the general population of the United States uh, under the same catch-and-release program that Barack Obama facilitated. So what's your reaction to what we heard last night, just to make sure the government stays open Friday? Well, my reaction is uh, elections matter, and our activity or our inactivity as conservatives, as Christians, as people who care about constitutional liberty and a free republic, um, elections matter. And what we've done in our last election is we have basically emasculated uh, the Republican Party's ability and Donald Trump's ability to actually carry out the things that we elected him to do in the presidential election. I mean, hand it over to Nancy Pelosi and these left-wing socialists that sit in white suits, silent, in the face of our desire to build a wall that will protect our children and protect our progeny and protect our freedom and protect justice within the United States. And they somehow think that this is an immoral act to guard our own sovereignty and guard our own borders. So, you know, I'm saying things that everybody probably recognizes, but the thing that is most obvious right now is elections matter. What is Donald Trump supposed to do in the face of a House that now resents his every move? What can he do to move forward? Um, I would agree with some of those that actually are saying, you know, shutting down the government a second time is probably going to be politically um, untenable and uh, ineffective in terms of accomplishing the end goal. So, you know, some may disagree with me, but I think he has to move forward and have some sort of governance. Otherwise, um, he's just going to continue hand a victory to those that uh, are relishing this one. So bottom line, he loses. We lose because elections matter because we didn't go to the ballot box and the numbers that we should have to make sure this didn't happen. It's a very good point, and we warned everybody about that. Of course, the, you know, the cyclical nature of these things, you know, um, also comes into play. Uh, as we know, the incumbent president almost always loses seats, uh, a ton of seats, oftentimes, uh, in the, uh, first midterm election after, uh, after a president, you know, a, a new president takes over. So this kind of thing has happened before. But what bothers me, uh, Dr. Piper, is that elections were supposed to matter in 2016 as well. We elected the president of the United States to build a border wall in large part. You know, I mean, if you look at his campaign strategy and his campaign slogans and all of the things that he argued for, he talked about deregulating. He's done that. He's talked about bringing manufacturing jobs. He's done that. He talked about rebuilding the military. He's done that. And he talked about building a border wall. And maybe maybe not in that order. The border wall, I think, was a centerpiece for a lot of people who voted for him to say, yeah, we really need to crack down illegal immigration. There are too many drugs, too much crime flowing across that border, and too many individuals who aren't criminals, per se, taking jobs, however, away from Americans. So the president won on that. Shouldn't that election matter just as much? And shouldn't the people get what they voted for, which is a doggone border wall? Sure. Sure, but why didn't we get it in the first two years where we had a majority in the House, a majority in the Senate, and we had the White House? What were we doing? 
what were conservatives doing? What was the governing party? Literally, the governing party. I mean, we had the House, we had the Senate, we had the presidency, and we had 24 months, and we didn't get it done. And now we're suffering the consequences of that procrastination and of that politicking. So in other words, we continue to elect people that tell us they're Republicans, tell us they're conservatives, tell us that they're going to go do what we elected them to do, and they don't. They get to the House, they get to the Senate, and then they start imbibing the Washington Kool-Aid and they disappoint us. Again, elections matter. You shouldn't pay attention to what people say as much as what they do. Human beings lie, they deceive, they dodge, they dance. What we need to do is start electing people based on their actions and not on their words. What you do is much more important to me than what you say. If you tell me things and then go the exact opposite, that's called deception, that's called a lie. And we need to attend to that. Dr. Everett Piper is my guest president at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He's been a frequent guest on this show, and I'm very happy to announce he's going to be a regular guest on the show. He's going to make a weekly appearance talking about the most important political, societal, religious, cultural issues of the day. And to that end, doctor, let's talk about your latest piece in the Washington Times. Um, your headline, and I, know, I don't know if you wrote the headline or not, but it's no longer the champion of the average man. And you're speaking, of course, about the Democrat Party. What we have learned about what the party is today day just over the course of the last couple of weeks by way of the New York uh, abortion law signed into law by Andrew Cuomo to what's going on in Virginia and the even talk about talk about trumping uh, you know here here's Andrew Cuomo and the New York Senate Democrats saying uh, we're going to make it legal to kill a baby up until the moment it's born how about that and Ralph Northam says oh yeah hold my beer we're going to make it legal to kill babies after they're born. Uh, we'll, we'll have a conversation between the doctor and the mother, and we'll decide if that baby gets to live or not. I mean, this is what the Democrat Party has devolved into. Can you talk about what you mean by not championing the average man? Yeah, sure. And I actually titled the piece, These People Stand for Nothing But Themselves. The Washington Times changed the heading. But my point is this. If we had any doubt that these people are, and when I say these people, I mean the Democratic Party and the ladies dressed in white and the rest that sat there and smirked and smiled in the face of the positive movement of our culture under our current president, they have proven themselves to be anti-black, anti-Hispanic, anti-Asian, anti-woman, anti-Christian, anti-capitalism, anti-Semitic, anti-constitutionalist at every turn. This is no longer the party of Kennedy or Lyndon Johnson. This is a party that is no longer the party of the average man. It is a party that stands against us rather than for us. Proof? Look at the photos of these people sitting and sitting and sitting and sitting with their self-righteous smiles and their smug glares as they sit in the face of what? Well, they refused to stand for historic lows in unemployment for blacks and Hispanics and Asians. They refused to stand for record highs in our workforce and record lows for inflation. They refused to stand against the degradation of jobs for America. They refused to stand against socialism and the barbaric economic models of Venezuela and Cuba. They refused to stand against the Muslim Brotherhood and Hezbollah and Hamas and the butchery of innocent civilians. They refuse to stand against anti-Semitism, Jew-baiting, and Islam's call for the annihilation of 
Israel. They refuse to stand against human trafficking, back to the borders here in our wall. They refuse to stand against human trafficking, which we know is taking place across our open borders, and they therefore refuse to stand against modern-day slavery and the evils of using our nation's open borders to transport young boys and young girls back and forth as sexual commodities. These people sat and sat and sat. This is the party that refused to stand for good and sat in celebration of evil. And again, elections matter. If we continue to elect these people, socialism is a given, not just a theory. The Green New Deal will be a fact, not a fiction, and we will suffer the loss of our freedoms accordingly. I started out on your program by saying this, pay attention to what they do. Do, not what they say. And what they did is they sat in celebration of evil and they refused to stand for the celebration of good. Dr. Piper, if you were a prosecutor presenting that as evidence and I was a juror, I would pound the table guilty right now. Um, They are. They are guilty of all of the above. Um, And yet they win. And yet they're popular. And yet, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, one of the ringleaders of the white wearers that you just discussed and sitting down in the scowls and so on and so forth during the, uh, during the president's address, scowling during positive messages and, uh, uh, not, uh, denouncing, uh, evil, uh, when those things were brought up. 79%, no, I'm sorry, 74. 74% of Democrats in a recent survey said if she was old enough, they would vote for her for president. She's only 29, so thank goodness we have six more years to wait before President Ocasio-Cortez. And what you just described, she is one of the ringleaders of. How? What does that say about us? What does that say about the direction of our culture, Doctor? We started it all in the culture, excuse me, in the classroom. We started this all in the classroom. Let me go back to um, Abraham Lincoln. He said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will become the philosophy of the government in the next. This is Abraham Lincoln. Hitler came along and said, let me control the textbooks and I will control the state. So Lincoln is talking about it from a positive perspective. What we teach in the schoolroom will be practiced in our government. Therefore, let's teach good things in the schoolroom. But Hitler comes along and says, hey, I've got this one. If you give me control of the textbooks, I'll control the state. And what we're seeing right now is the consequence of terrible, terrible, terrible education. This woman has a degree in economics from Boston. And she's coming to us and spewing this nonsense about socialist economics and somehow bringing justice rather than acknowledging the scientific fact of the evil that's playing itself out in the streets of Venezuela as we watch the news and as you report it on a daily basis. They call conservatives science deniers, but yet they they ignore the empirical facts of the science before them. The solution is to start educating our culture in a more positive and factual and scientific and empirical way rather than imbibing the social deconstruction that comes with social justice and, and socialism that's coming right to your <laughs> right to your living room via your TV and your radio uh, in the in the face of Ocasio Cortez, a ninety excuse me, a twenty nine year old lunatic. And I don't mean that as an odd hominem. I mean that as a fact because her ideas are lunacy. They're absurd. They make no sense. To the point you just made, Dr. Piper, um, one of the other stories making the rounds this weekend was New Jersey celebrating the fact that they have become the second state in the union following California, not surprisingly, to mandate public school study of LBGT or whatever the alphabet soup is, history. Um, 
Apparently, it's not enough to study American history. Now we have to actually study gay history for whatever that's worth. I don't know how that's going to help kids get jobs. I don't know how that's going to help kids think critically, learn to solve problems, math skills, and so on and so forth, especially in a state, quite frankly, where the education is less than than um, uh, less than excellent. I'll just be kind here, like New Jersey. But the point is uh, they continue to push this social justice message and these lessons that must be taken in, absorbed, and regurgitated to the satisfaction of teachers in order to get good grades, and then it has an effect on these kids, doesn't it? Absolutely. I'm going to read a paragraph. It's only uh, two sentences long out of my op-ed in the Washington Times that you've already read. It says, these are the people who have turned classically liberal education into little more than PC indoctrination. People who have stolen the innocence of our children. People who shamelessly experiment on our four-year-olds and our five-year-olds and our ten-year-olds in their laboratories called classrooms of sexual fluidity. People who use our schools to brainwash our nation's youth while using our courts to then criminalize any parent who wants to seek some counseling for their kid to correct the mush and the corruption of their kid's heart as the result of being in these classrooms. This is what's taking place in New Jersey. It's what's already taken place in California, and it's right around the corner for all of us in the Equality Act that Nancy Pelosi is now pushing. It will criminalize a parent who wants to seek counseling for their child who happened to go to a drag queen story hour at the local elementary school comes home confused and tells dad I'm now confused and so dad says well Billy let's take you to the priest or the pastor to get you some counseling you actually are a boy you're not a girl and the drag queen story hour just confused you that will become and I'm not exaggerating this is not hyperbole that will become illegal within the Equality Act because getting such counseling will be outside the bounds of law I'm going to go a little further away than New Jersey for this part of the story as we wrap this up. I'm going to go to the U.K., but uh, there was a mother who was arrested in front of her children and locked in a cell for seven hours for having the temerity online to call a transgender woman what this person was, a man. Apparently, in the U.K., there is a, a crime called dead naming. And if you dead name people and identify them as something that they don't want to be identified as, apparently you can be arrested for that. That is a criminal act. Dr. Piper, I don't mean to sound hyperbolic here, but is there any doubt whatsoever, based on all of the things you just pointed out, based on what Nancy Pelosi is pushing, that that's not far from the United States either? Oh, no, it it can't be. Ideas always have consequences. They always bear fruit. And when we buy the lie that our identity, listen, everybody listen to me right now. We've all as a culture bought the lie that human identity is little more than the sum total of human inclinations. And if you're inclined to do it, that's who you are. If you're inclined to a sexual appetite, sexual behavior, sexual identity, sexual, that is your actual human being. That's who you are. That's baloney. I'm inclined and you're inclined to do a lot of things. I'm inclined to lie. I'm inclined to cheat. I'm inclined to steal. I'm a broken human being, but I know I'm not supposed to lie, steal, and cheat, and therefore I don't. My identity is not in my habits or my inclinations. My identity is in the Omago Day, the image of God. I'm not the Omago dog. I don't have to follow my every base appetite and instinct and inclination. I am more than that. The Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, elevates the human being above that. And it actually is pro-woman. How can you be pro-woman and deny the reality of the female, of the woman? If 
you say women don't really exist, they're nothing but a social construct, you're a misogynist because you just took a real woman's bathroom, shower, scholarship, and dignity away from her and gave it to a biological male who just wants to pretend and play make-believe. Dr. Everett Piper laying it out expertly. That was phenomenal, as was the piece in the Washington Times. I've already tweeted it. I will Facebook it as well. If you follow me on social media, it's France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Uh, You can see that for yourself and read it. Dr. Piper, pleasure to chat with you this morning. Very, very excited about talking to you on a weekly basis. We need to spread your, uh, your wisdom far and wide, and we'll do that the very best we can right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you so much. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Everett Piper, president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. We'll catch up on traffic right now. Come back, and if we're going to squeeze in a call or two, dial it now before the top of the hour. Peter Kirsten now comes up after that. 216-901-0945 on The Authority. I got to tell you what, I'm feeling pretty good about my uh, programming decisions right now. And what I mean by that is, um, you ever hear that old adage, um, the man, if, if, if a man hires a man smarter than he is, he proves to be smarter than they are? Uh, well, that's kind of how I feel about this. Um, Dr. Everett Piper is a hit. People are texting me right now and, and uh, messaging on uh, Twitter as well saying, oh, my God, I love that guy. Even Samuel, our producer, said to me, man, I love listening to him. And I just want to tell everybody, yeah, that's why I saw had the foresight to essentially hire Dr. Piper at a volunteer pay basis <laughs> to be a regular guest. He is now going to be a regular featured guest in the same way that Jim Jordan is a weekly guest, Peter Kersenow is a weekly guest, um, uh, Dr. Everett Piper is going to be on, Ryan Moore is a weekly guest, Dr. Everett Piper will join me every Monday at 10.05. He has a standing appointment to discuss the issues of the day. And so uh, I feel, like I said, uh, like <laughs> the, the, the employer who hires a man smarter than he is proves to be smarter than everyone. That's how I feel because I got somebody smarter than I am to come on the program on a regular basis. You're going to love it. He's, uh, he's, he's that good. Uh, Beverly is in Cleveland, now on AM 1420, The Answer. Beverly, good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning. I just want to thank you for your conservative voice, your voice of authority, your sanity for talking every morning and telling people the truth. I'm just, I'm just so grateful for you. Thanks. Well, thank you um, for saying that. Uh, you're welcome. Well, I have two things to say. Um, first of all, my sister's a teacher and in Cleveland. I hear <laughs> horror stories like on a daily basis. And um, her big beef is these kids come to school. They're not educated at home. I mean, they come from... I mean, some of them are granted, but she doesn't teach in, in, in the greatest of areas. Mm-hmm. So these kids come in, and they come in learning what they learn at home, and they, then they bring it to school. And so my, teacher, my sister tries, because we were raised in a Christian home. We tried to teach them values and everything. And she goes over the head of a lot of the people what they teach. I mean, we shouldn't say this, but... You know, it's like she in her heart, she can't teach some of that gunk that they make them teach. So she just, she will interject the truth in what she teaches. And 
I know sometimes, you know, it's hard for her, but she says, you know, what they're sending down is the administration. You're, you're just subject to them because, you know, your job's on the line, and if you don't teach what they want you to teach, oh, my God, you don't have a job. So, you know, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. But, I mean, if you have So she's risking her employment, right? She's risking her job to do the right thing because she exactly. cannot teach and promote the kinds of things that she is being exactly. dictated to. And she does, and she does, and these kids are grateful. You know, when you speak the truth to them, it like a light bulb goes off, and you you put those ideas in their mind. You don't keep filling them with, uh, keep um, telling them filth and and, and the wrong mm-hmm. things, the wrong ideas. You educate them, and she has a, a moral responsibility to you know God to teach the right things, not to teach against what what he. You know, things that he does not, Abedayton does not want. And this so is I, your sister, you said? Yeah, she doesn't preach to them, no. But, I mean, my God, you know, if they say something wrong, she will, like, you know, case in point, if they swear or say something bad, she'll say, don't say that in front of me. You're offending my God. Do not say that. I mean, she will say that. You know, you're not supposed to mention God in the classroom. Oh, my God. She does it. And yeah, you can't mention God in classroom, but you can teach them all of the perversions that are uh, that are yeah. expanding in this in this society. Listen, Beverly, yeah. I've got to go here, but I want you to do me a favor. Tell your sister directly from me that she's a hero. Okay, yeah. I, I I truly view her as a hero because that's exactly what we need more of. We need more people exactly. doing the right thing in the face of even pressures to do the wrong thing, and exactly. uh, and tell her exactly. that it is more appreciated. That I don't know her, but it is so appreciated by me, and I promise you, by thousands of people listening to us right now, uh, than she'll ever know. So please tell her that for us. Okay. One more question. One more thing. I yeah. think that AOC is not not smart. I think she's dumb as a box of rocks. But I think that she's getting her, her um, she goes to classes every night, and I think she's being taught by Barack Obama. This is all his agenda that he wanted. Everything she's saying to a T. And I believe that somewhere along the line, she's getting lessons online, going to meet him personally. This is not coming from her. Yeah, she, she, didn't, she didn't pick all of this stuff up uh, from somebody she was serving drinks as a bartender six months ago. Uh, you're right. There is, there is uh, some collusion there in terms of of using her to to spread this ideology. Beverly, thanks for the call. We'll get uh, news now. Peter Kirsten now on the other side. AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.